welcome to the podcast, Biblical Questions. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that you would be edified and Christ would be glorified. I would encourage you, please, if you're new to the podcast or if you're a prayer warrior and listen to us on a regular basis, as a general reminder to go to our webpage and find the page there that says prayer requests. Please go there and pray for those people who have asked for prayer requests. We pray that every day for all of our listeners, for the persecuted church, and that this podcast would be able to continue to be uh, put out on a weekly basis, and it would help you and encourage those. Uh, and for those who are searching, uh, perhaps it would help them as well. If you're needing to find a local congregation, we would do our best to try to help you. We are not associated with any particular congregation. We proclaim just to be Christian. And we tried very, very hard to to show you the Bible. And if you have one, I would please ask you to pick one up, follow along. Uh, you can also find free Bibles uh, on the Internet if you have access to the Internet while you're listening to the podcast. And, and follow along. Um, I, people who tell you you don't need a Bible, I, I would walk away from that pretty quickly. Our first question that we really want to answer is this. It says, why do we have the book of Ruth? I've enjoyed your other podcast on a couple of the books that you've done overviews on, and I just kind of wondered this. Okay, well, that's a good question. Uh, Ruth really is a very uh, interesting book that's placed in the Old Testament. I'm a firm believer, even as a Christian, if you do not study and read the Old Testament uh, you will really struggle to understand the New Testament. The New Testament is continuation of, of the Old. I understand where there's a New Covenant. The point I'm trying to make is God has not changed. He is the same. If it was a sin in the day of Ruth, it's a sin today. If he wants us to know about uh, the genealogy of the Messiah, uh, that's what's going to be there. And this is part of the book of Ruth. The Messiah, a coming Messiah, is weed from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the Messiah, uh, King Jesus' arrival in Bethlehem. And Ruth is part of that uh, function of showing us where the bloodline is from. Now, Ruth does not have a Jewish background at all. She uh, marries a man who is Jewish in her home country. Her, her husband and her in-laws are all Jewish, and they are in a foreign country. Uh, Israel's had a serious drought, and the family has fled uh, to a different area where they could find work and food and, and different things that you and I would need as well today. And so while the family is there for 10 years, uh, their sons grow up and marry Moabite women. Now, as the turn of events would happen, Ruth's husband would pass away, her mother, her father-in-law would pass away, and her uh, brother-in-law would pass away. So all the men in this story have passed away. And Ruth and her mother-in-law, along with her sister-in-law, 
begin to head back towards uh, Israel. And their mother, Naomi, would just continually press and encourage them to, to stay, do not come to Israel, there's no need for you to come with me. And one of the ladies will turn back, but Ruth does not. Uh, Ruth is looking forward to something. And she feels a devotion to her mother-in-law. There, there's that need uh, to be there for some reason. But Ruth is in the bloodline of Jesus. And while she is there uh, on a threshing floor, she will lay by a, a man by, at his feet by the name of Boaz. And Boaz will end up marrying uh, Ruth through a series of events that take place. He's, he's not in line to marry. There's some Jewish culture there. You'll have to go to read it. It's really simple to understand. The book explains it fairly well. And the other man decides that he does not want to marry Ruth, and so Boaz does. And so Boaz and Ruth will have children. And they will have children, and so on. And we will come to Jesse, who is the father of King David. And the bloodline is promised through King David. And so that's why we have uh, the book of Ruth. It is, again, it's a great book of faith. It's a great love story. It it's really has romance in it. And, and I would encourage you to, to read through it. Uh, if you've never read uh, the book of Ruth. There's some famous um, verbiage that comes out of Ruth. Uh, a lot of wedding ceremonies will use uh, a quote out of, out of uh, Ruth. But one of those famous quotes actually comes out of chapter 1, verse 16. And the famous words to her mother-in-law, Naomi, about not turning back would be, Your God shall be my God. And that is picked up, that, that kind of verbiage. You can find that in John chapter 20, verse 17. That, that is also used in the New Testament. So that is something that is used uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, your God will be my God. And Ruth has to have a lot of faith. She probably really doesn't know a whole lot about uh, the God of Israel. She's been married to a man. The Bible doesn't say how much she really knows or does not know. I just know this. She was not raised Jewish. And so in the 10 years approximately that she's been with this family and studied, perhaps she has learned quite a bit about uh, the Jewish faith. There's one thing for sure. She's a very devoted woman uh, to family, which would be a great example for all of us to follow, whether a man or a woman. The book ha brings out risk that Ruth will do. Unlike her sister-in-law, I believe her name was Oprah, and with all this discouragements that she would be getting from Naomi, her mother-in-law, uh, Ruth, again, she insists on going with her. You know, and I think this is a good example for us, too, as well, today. 
In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus is saying, you know, uh, no one having put his hand uh, to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, and I think Ruth is looking forward into the future somewhere. Does she honestly know what exactly was going to go on? No, she doesn't. And her and her mother-in-law will receive really a very kind of rude awakening when, when they get there. And Naomi seems to also have some real harsh feelings towards God about what's happened to her. I mean, she's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. Uh, she comes back. Uh, with nothing on her, better clothes on her back to speak of. Uh, she really doesn't have any physical blessings to show the people in her hometown. And so, again, Ruth is an obedient uh, person to her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law will encourage her to go to the threshing floor and be at the feet of Boaz. And Boaz is a potential kinsman uh, he can redeem her. And that kind of idea of redeem, redeeming or redemption is also a New Testament type idea and thought and teaching that Christ has redeemed us, purchased us back into the family. And it's this kind of what that picture of Boaz is doing. He's redeeming uh, this woman who is part of his family uh, but he wants to bring her in closer into the fold and so he marries her in fact there, again I've said this a moment ago that's kind of a Old Testament Jewish teaching that they are to do that because she has no children that I'm aware of from her first husband again you can find in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 there's very few women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus and Ruth is one of those ladies another lady would be a lady who dropped a red cord out of the wall of Jericho who was a prostitute and so there is a prostitute as well in the line the lineage the genealogy whatever word you want to use in the line of Jesus and so Again, I, I would encourage you to study the book of Ruth and read it. Uh, beautiful story. Beautiful love story. Um, how a man pursues uh, this young lady, marries her. And you just never know. I think this is something else that I always kind of get out of the book of Ruth. You don't know what the future holds. I mean, these two ladies are in a really bad way. And we've all been in a bad way one way or another, whether it was our fault, somebody else's fault, to circumstances beyond any control. There's that word called life. Uh, they're facing drought and famine. Yeah, that's why originally Naomi and her husband and her three sons would flee Israel and go to Moab to live. And so many things happen in life. And it really doesn't matter what country you live in, uh, where you come from. We all have moments in life that really cause problems and stress. And looking toward the future, that God has got everything under control. He's got a plan, trusting Him. Things eventually work out. 
and look look at here at Ruth and Naomi as well. Uh, things work out for these two ladies. We never know what happens to uh, her sister-in-law that does return back to, to Moab, who does not follow them. The Bible is silent after they uh, seem to go their separate ways. Well, anyway, I hope that kind of answers your questions, kind of a quick overbrief of, of the book of Ruth. Um, again, uh, please, if you have a, a Bible question, we will do our best to answer it. We are not always politically correct, but we try very hard to show you in the Bible uh, the answer and why we're stating what we're stating. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, I did not get a name and don't know where you were from. so But that's okay. We don't have to know that. A lot of people uh, choose not to do that. And so I'll, uh, there could be some reasons why. We do broadcast clear across the world. Uh, and we have, last count, I think it was 100 countries. So uh, we need to be praying for one another and encouraging one another as we go through our life. Okay, our next question. Okay, our next question comes from South Dakota. We have quite a few listeners in South Dakota, and I appreciate them. And I believe this is from Aberdeen, if I recall correctly. So the question is actually a very interesting question. It's a good question. I don't think there's any bad questions when it comes to the Bible. That's how we learn and grow. And so the question is this. In Acts chapter 15... People were saying that you needed to be circumcised. But Paul would say no. However, he would have Timothy circumcised to make the Jews happy. Why did he do that? Well, that, okay, again, that's a good question. Uh, again, studying the circumstances and knowing why Paul does what he does and says what he says. So, yes, the law of Moses uh, required circumcision on the eighth day and that would be for any any male Jew that was born and so uh, they did not circumcise females you know, I know you did not ask that but I've been actually asked that question before and that's I don't know that that's really right God does never ordain that anywhere in the Bible and so Acts chapter 15 verse 1 Again, if you have a Bible, pick it up, please, and follow along. It says, And some men were coming down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, Unless you are circumcised to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. And you can see that also uh, in Acts chapter uh, 15 here, at verse 5. And what's going on here, actually, in Acts 15, we've had the Jerusalem Conference. And in the Jerusalem conference here at Acts 15, deals with the problem of the apostles and the church leaders would have to come to some kind of agreement about Gentile converts, those who were not Jewish coming into the faith of Christianity. And so they... Being Jews would say, yes, you have to be circumcised. But the, the uh, Jerusalem conference would say, uh, no, uh, that's not binding on folks who are not Jewish. And so they would say, no, don't do that. 
so yes, it's a little confusing, especially right after the Jerusalem conference. Uh, Paul's going to require Timothy, his companion, uh, to be circumcised. But Paul's going to give a simple explanation in Acts chapter 16, around verse 3. See, Paul knew that their influence in the Jewish community probably was going to be hurt, and their opportunity to preach the gospel to them could be hindered if Timothy, who has a Greek background, uh, was not circumcised. And so Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they knew that his father was a Greek. Okay, and so, again, Paul's circumcision of Timothy was a matter of expediting, I guess, uh, not on principle, but to, to, to point out the gospel, to become all things to all men. Uh, it was Paul's strategy, and it was not the result of Jewish pressure. Paul does not in my opinion, it does not give in to any Jewish demands. Timothy's compliance was not related to his personal salvation, and he did not become uh, this did not become a normal practice for evangelists anywhere that's recorded in the New Testament uh, coming out of this Greek background to be forced to be circumcised and you know, this would be a pretty tough thing for a grown man to have to go through. And so, uh, to Timothy's credit, I think he's wanting uh, to, to, to get into the Jewish family. He has Jewish background as well as the Greek. He has parents. Uh, one, his mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek. And so, we've got this kind of this mixed culture going on going here. And so, again... I think Paul is trying very hard uh, to help the gospel along. You know, later when Jewish Christians insisted that Titus, a Gentile Christian, be circumcised, the Apostle Paul would talk about this as well. And Paul would say that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be no benefit to you. Galatians chapter 5 verse 2. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 18 says, Was any man already circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. In other words, uh, however you come into the baptistry, however you come into the, uh, the church, whatever, circumcised or not, that's all. It, it, that doesn't matter. What matters is that the circumcision of the heart allowing the Word of God into your life, and that you're living it, and that you're practicing it. And so, uh, again, Paul rejects uh, the Jewish circumcision uh, throughout his writings, and especially for those who are of the Greek background. He does not uh, say that's required. The Jerusalem Conference, uh, and that discussion in Acts chapter 15, very clearly states that uh, they are not to do that. In fact, if you really study the Jerusalem conference a little closer, you'll see that those who are in this conference really are all Jews. And they've been converted into Christianity. Of course, that's the apostles are sitting there. 
And they all come to this conclusion, hey, look, if you look at the Gentiles and you go back and look at and, and Acts chapter 8, where you have Cornelius, he's, he's a Gentile. And here he is receiving the gift of tongues. And he's doing this in front of Peter. And Peter says, hey, boy, who can, who can prevent these folks from being baptized? It's almost like this is the Gentile day of Pentecost, as it's been described uh, over the years to me a couple of times. And so, again, there was no recording anywhere that Peter in, in, in Acts chapter 8 says, hey, y'all got to be circumcised first. You got to learn the laws of Moses. You got to follow this and follow... No, it's not there. And this is why they come to the conclusion quickly, I think, in the Jerusalem conference that these folks do not have to be circumcised. Uh, they try to, you know, warn them about, you know, blood, drinking blood and different things. There's only two or three things that really, that they say, stay away from these things and you will be good. Let's just, just read that. Okay, in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through uh, 48, Peter, I, I said Acts 8 a moment ago, but Peter would say, and this is proof that God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles, and as a result, uh, he doesn't believe the male uh, converts need to be circumcised. And that's going to go on throughout this discussion, obviously, and they will come to the conclusion that they don't need to be. And so, Acts chapter 15, verse 1, is they view this matter of circumcision as a matter of salvation. And it's going to be a huge issue for them because, you know, coming out of Egypt, God will tell Moses all the men have to be circumcised. And they apparently had stopped circumcising somewhere along the way while they were in Egypt because they were clearly doing it prior uh, to entering Egypt with Joseph and his father and, and his other brothers. And so, uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, would speak in describing how God had performed miracles through them, uh, calling Gentiles into the church, and that's in Acts 15, verse 12. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus uh, himself, issued this, the concluding statement here, starting around verse 19. Uh, it is my judgment, therefore that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food that is polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, from blood. And that's, that's really it. That's all they really lay on the, on the new converts. Uh, and that would be, I believe, applied for us even today that has not changed and so even today we are to abstain from those things we probably don't have to worry about at least in the united states a meat being offered to uh, sacrifice to idols and to my knowledge nobody uh, strangles an animals uh, to eat them or to offer them up if it is i'm very unaware of it but sexual immorality that's a big one and I don't know where you're at. I know this writer's from South Dakota, but I don't know. We have listeners from around the world. 
and sexual immorality is rampant. It is terrible. And a Christian needs to do their best to stay out of that uh, adultery, uh, sex outside of marriage, uh, with people who are not your spouse, with the same sex, uh, uh, lusting after people, uh, imagining going and having sexual relations with them. Uh, there, there's a lot that goes on with this thou shall not commit adultery statement. And I keep thinking about maybe doing some uh, podcast on some of those to show the relevance even today. That has not changed, listeners. Uh, God is still the same God. It is still a sin uh, to commit adultery and sexual immorality. And so, again, um, I thank you, uh, South Dakota, for listening. And so, let's keep preaching the word. Please tell others about this podcast. I certainly hope uh, that you are enjoying it. We have a lot of return listeners. We have more and more followers all the time on uh, SoundCloud especially. We're on so many different podcasting apps, and it's really amazing to me how God has just allowed this to spread. And we have some listeners, some very dear listeners, in Lafayette, Indiana. And they have been a really great encourager to us over the years, but especially uh, with the podcast. They help spread the word. Uh, They've encouraged us uh, in different ways. And so I, I want to especially thank uh, them and, and Ceci for trying to send a recording. She played a piano and we tried really hard to edit it, tried to figure out how to get it into our music. I mean, if you notice, if you're a long-time listener, we had a different music introduction. And it's really by her idea and thought uh, that really maybe we could do something a little different. And... I've had several other people at church saying, you know, you need a different kind of music or introduction. So we have it now. And uh, through lots of prayer and thought process and encouragement, we have that. No, this is not her clip. Uh, I wish it was, but I can't. I'm sorry, it's not. But we thank uh, Mike and Sissy very much, uh, very dear to us. And so they have supported us through prayer. Uh, They've encouraged us. They they tell others. So we need more people like these folks who help us spread the word out there. Uh, Following us on social media, sharing our links, verbally telling people who are searching. Uh, I have learned over the years, uh, soft uh, cell works, you know. Have beating people over the head all the time with go to church, do this, do that. Uh, we don't like that. I know I don't like that. And so uh, sometimes podcasts, uh, some one-on-ones, just less threatening. I want we we really the church is really in trouble in America. It really is. And there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians. And like I was just talking about the immorality issue, uh, they would laugh at you. Say, uh-uh, God is not going to condemn people for that. Well, folks, God doesn't make garbage, and that's the quote uh, the folks I'm just talking about here. They, that is 
uh, Mike's quote in a Bible study. God doesn't make garbage. And so it is on, on simple, lustful desires that go after those type of things. So please, please pray for one another, encourage one another. It's not going to get any easier, uh, especially in the West here. We, we've been spoiled. Uh, we've been sheltered. I don't know what the right word is, but we really, truly need to be in the Word of God. And there could be a day and time where these podcasts will never be allowed out. Uh, I'm amazed in some of the countries that we have listeners in. Uh, It's only by the grace of God. So again, I want to thank you for listening to me ramble on. I appreciate that. Uh, We love doing this. Uh, Again, we pray for our listeners on a daily basis. We pray for the persecuted church continually. It's a big thing for us. And please, I'd encourage you to do that. Go to the webpage there, if nothing else, just to check out the prayer uh, request page. Okay, make sure you hit that like button and follow us, and we will uh, be on next week, Lord willing. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you, and may He have the glory.